This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Police brutality no longer exists in America. I made that statement last week on cable news. And I stand by. The left has gone apoplectic. That in itself is kind of interesting because of the hyperbole that they use to defame, slander, insult the character, the commitment, the integrity, the sacrifice of the American police officer with no foundation. None whatsoever. Never challenged by the liberal mainstream media. Quentin Tarantino, the movie maker, said that all police are murderers. Yeah, I got a little bit of little bit of flack, a little bit, not as much as I did, which is fine. Because if they're coming after you, if they're attacking you in a political environment, that means you have their attention. That means you are making a difference. Before we get into that, just some quick thoughts on the presidential debate, as they call it, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, a couple weeks ago, finally, finally, the GOP got a backbone and took on the mainstream liberal media head on, smashed them right in the nose. Finally, those candidates didn't feel they had to kowtow to the liberal mainstream media because they might say something negative about them later on. Who cares? They hate conservatives anyway. I was quite encouraged to see that. But let's get back to this police brutality claim. I say claim because... The cop haters, the Black Lies, L-I-E-S, the Black Lies Matter movement, anarchists, now some politicians, including Mrs. Bill Clinton, including Bernie Sanders, and, 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 and uh, former Governor O'Malley, Martin O'Malley, they all chimed in, Barack Obama, as they define police brutality, I will say it again. It no longer exists in America. They are redefining words. The cop haters. They call every police use of force police brutality. That no longer exists in America. It no longer exists as a custom within the police ranks. It is not a practice. 
It isn't trained. It's not a culture, nor is it an institution. I also said, I was on Fox and Friends when I said this last last week. I said, we got rid of that in the 60s, and we did. Law enforcement officers and agencies are more educated. They're better trained and more professional than at any time in our history. We no longer condone turning fire hoses on peaceful protesters, sicking dogs on peaceful protesters. That's police brutality. We don't do that anymore. Let's pause for a minute and take a look at the dictionary definition of brutality. It says, savage physical violence. Let me say that again. Savage physical violence. That definition might apply to ISIS, who chops off people's heads, who puts people in cages, and then lights the cage on fire so they burn alive. That is savage physical violence. That does not apply to the institution of American policing. That description is an insult. Let me give you another example. Planned Parenthood. Do we accuse them of practicing brutality against fetuses? They suck a fetus out of a womb, chop up its body parts to sell to the highest bidder on the open market. That, folks, is savage physical violence. Police officers don't engage in that kind of behavior. Police use force. Force is never pretty. It's never pretty. We're going to get into the case in in, in South Carolina later on in this uh, program. You'll want to stick around for that. But the Black Lives Matter movement and the cop haters and the anarchists, they still claim that Mike Brown was murdered by a Ferguson police officer. He was not murdered. Darren Wilson used reasonable and justifiable force to defend his own life when he was being disarmed by Mike Brown. They still claim that Mike Brown was murdered. They still claim that that was police brutality. That was not police brutality. So I'll say it again. It doesn't exist in America as they define it. They use that term to inflame. They use that term to capture the emotions of people who hearken back to the 60s and the 50s when the police did practice police brutality. We don't anymore. The Black Lives Matter movement believes that Eric Garner was the victim of police brutality. He was not. He died of a heart attack on the way to the hospital. After a confrontation with police, no doubt about that, they didn't murder him. The coroner's report said he died of a heart attack that was the result of a number of things. The police, uh, uh, the, the, the heightened state, you know, with the police confrontation, but also that he was in bad health. He had diabetes. He was overweight. They claim that was police brutality. The black lives, no, it wasn't. Freddie Gray, read the coroner's report. The injuries suffered by Freddie Gray were consistent with an accident, the coroner's report said. Not an intentional act. 
It's not police brutality. So you see my point. They claim every time a police officer uses force, like I said, you're going to want to stick around for the South Carolina incident in that school. It's not brutality. It's a police use of force. Is there an overuse of force sometimes by law enforcement officers? Hell yes. The Walter Scott case in South Carolina. But if you think I'm going to allow people to use that case to indict a tire profession as being brutal, as, as using or condoning savage physical violence, I'm not going to let you get away with it. I will fight you tooth and nail to defend this honorable profession against these slanderous goons. Here's another one. Former abortion doctor Gosnell butchering fetuses. He'd pull a fetus out in an abortion procedure. By the way, we don't call that savage physical violence, do we? We call it women's reproductive health. What a joke that is. Gosnell would crush the skull. That is savage physical violence, but we have not indicted the entire medical community as being brutal or practicing brutality. Why are we going to, why would I allow anybody to do that with the American police officer? So we have a couple cases of misconduct, and the system self-corrects now. That's why I said it no longer exists in that fashion in America. We have safeguards in place. Thank God. Our cops are, like I said, more educated, better trained. This is an honorable profession. And I'm going to make sure it stays that way. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Let's get into this incident from Columbia, South Carolina, where a law enforcement officer, school resource officer, was summoned to a disruptive student in a classroom and was trying to remove her. You probably saw the video, it went viral. Unless you're living in a cave, you saw it. I came across a story from National Review. I read National Review stories a lot. This is David French. You've heard me talk about him before, he's a brilliant writer lawyer. He says, the latest viral video of alleged police brutality is remarkably short and devoid of context. According to cell phone video, apparently shot by student at, students at Columbia, South Carolina, Spring Valley High School, a student resource officer, senior deputy Ben Fields, approaches an unidentified female student. After she refuses to move from her desk, he grabs her, yanks the desk over, and appears to drag and throw her to the front of the classroom where he apparently places her in handcuffs. According to local reporting, Fields was called to the classroom after the student had refused to leave the room, first at the request of the teacher and then at the request of an administrator. Keep that in mind, folks. Two commands, leave the classroom, done nicely, right? The teacher and administrator, leave the classroom, please. Didn't work. What do we do? We call the cops. Back to the story. A longer video shows Fields asking the student if she'll leave. She refuses. 
He reaches down and says, I'm going to get you up. She appears to resist, and the officer escalates his use of force. Let me stop there. That's the way this is supposed to go. You tell the person what you want them to do. You're going to have to leave the classroom. I'm going to get you up. At that point, you have to escalate the use of force. When they start wailing away and striking you and everything else hanging onto the desk, everybody's caught up because the desk went flying across the, you know, the aisle there. That was because she was stuck in it. Back to the story. No one was injured in the fracas, but the media immediately identified it as an example of a white police officer brutalizing a black youth. Vox breathlessly said the video, it's VOX, shows what happens when you put cops in schools and calls it an example of a school-to-prison pipeline. Let me stop. That, folks, is hyperbole. No one call Vox on that. Back to the story. Within a day, local officials had requested an FBI and Department of Justice investigation, and the media feeding frenzy was fully underway. The Department of Justice didn't even have the facts. This was in the first 24 hours. Why don't they let the local police department and the local community investigate this? Because they couldn't resist. Loretta Lynch couldn't resist. Back to the story. I have a different perspective, says French. After watching and rewatching the incident, I keep coming to the same conclusion. This is what happens when a person resists a lawful order from a police officer to move. CNN now is reporting that a third video shows the student hitting the officer in the face when he initially put his hands on her. Unless the school is willing to have one student commandeer the classroom indefinitely, the officer has few options beyond physical force. And the use of physical force is rarely pretty to see. In this instance, the use of force was decisive, brief, and did not physically harm the student. Let me stop there. How many times have you heard me describe that in some of these uses of force that I've been asked to uh, uh, put forth analysis on, on, on TV? It was decisive, it was effective, and it was reasonable. Back to the story. While I hardly claim to have grown up or live in the, in the wrong side of the tracks, I've seen multiple police interventions in my 46 years on this planet, including in my own high school in the 80s. And I've never seen the police be gentle when a person resists arrest. The use of physical force is never elegant. It is always potentially dangerous. And it is always easy to critique from a distance. Lawlessness typically leaves a police officer with options that simply don't look good on camera. Stop. Why does this guy get this? He's not a cop. He's never been a cop. Because this is really the way to describe it. But when you engage in hyperbole, when you engage in race politics, then you inflame the way you describe it, right? Prison, uh, uh, school to prison pipeline. Back to the story. As for the Vox critique of police officers in public school, which writer German Lopez called, quote, outsourcing discipline to the police. That's what it is. Let's not forget that in this instance, the school appeal to the officer only after a teacher and an administrator fail to get results. I've known multiple public school teachers who were grateful for police uh, assistance after spending years getting punched, kicked, bitten, and otherwise physically abused by their students. I distinctly remember seeing my own teacher 
tossed around like a rag doll by an angry student during raging hallway brawls. At some schools, even small children will attack and harm their teachers. Did you folks, by the way, let me stop there. Sacramento, uh, uh, high school in Sacramento, happened like three, four days after this Columbia, South Carolina. When there was a brawl in a Sacramento high school, one student picked up a teacher and body slammed the teacher to the floor and then went back to join the fight. This is primitive behavior. If a cop would have shown up on that scene and picked up a student and body slammed that student who body slammed the teacher, oh, we would be right where we are with with Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, look at this police officer. Oh, he body slammed this guy. Oh, isn't this horrible? Oh, it's police brutality. Oh, it's a white cop and they hate black people. Oh, we get different treatment. We get disparate treatment. This stuff is all nonsense. It's all BS. Back to the story. While I support body cameras and, of course, support the rather obvious right of the public to record the police, videos like the one from Spring Valley show how subjective our snap judgment can be. Let me stop there. I was asked several times by Fox News to comment on this video, this initial video with the, you know, the day it went viral, and I said no, because I don't have any of the facts, much less all the facts. I don't have any of the facts, and sure as heck, after a couple days, uh, there was some more video, and it wasn't the way it initially appeared. The first facts were kind of wrong. That's why I keep my powder dry when these things happen. I give it a couple days. I give it a week before you hear me talk about it, because I want to take my time to analyze the thing as many facts as I can and get it right. Because if the cop is wrong, I want to know that it's not a knee-jerk reaction by me to say the cop was wrong. And I have analyzed incidents where I said, man, a cop was out of line on there. I've done that, and I'll continue to do it. Otherwise, I lose credibility. So I waited, and then sure as heck, uh, more is coming out, and it's not what it appears to be here. Back to the story. Some watched the video and were immediately outraged. Others simply saw an officer handling a student who was resisting arrest. Experts from both sides will no doubt weigh in, and some, with some officers defending Fields, who's the, the deputy, and others proclaiming uh, that could have or would have been handled, uh, it could have been handled with, with uh, less force. Yeah, it could have been. But that officer gets to decide what the reasonable force is. Not you, not me. He does. And then we get to judge afterwards whether that was reasonable. Back to the story. Yet at the end of the day, the most likely outcome is the one feared by FBI Director James Comey that the fear of viral videos is like a chilling wind blowing through American law enforcement. I know Jim Comey, FBI Director. I've met him. I've heard him speak. He's a man of tremendous integrity. Tremendous integrity integrity. He will not allow himself to be bullied by the Obama administration because he has some views of this thing uh, that that don't coincide with what Obama and his race baiters think. We're going to continue this in the next segment. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff on the Blaze Radio Network. 
America WK with your host, Andrew WK. Much more we can do to improve our lives by working from the inside out. Really, no problem can be solved from the outside in. And even if it is solved, it's just some type of band-aid. We have to heal things, fix things, improve things from the center, from the core. And that actually begins in us, not in anyone else. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. We left off in the middle of a story from National Review by David French about this incident in Spring Valley High School in Columbia, South Carolina, where a deputy was summoned to the room and asked a uh, student, a female student, uh, to leave, and she wouldn't, and he had to escalate or use force and escalate it to uh, gain her compliance. And, of course, this is one of those situations that goes viral, and it's all the racism and all police brutality. This article is entitled, in case you want to look at it, The Spring Valley Arrest Video Isn't Disturbing. Here's why. That's provocative enough in itself, but he's right. It wasn't disturbing to me. So back to the story here. I left off talking about James Comey, uh, FBI director. It says, America's opinion in lawmaking classes walled off in doorman-fronted buildings, gated communities, and generally growing up in the best educational environments are making judgments about behaviors and police reactions that are utterly alien to their experience. Stop. How many times haven't I said to you, that these cop haters, these blowhard politicians have never done this job. How do they know how we should be doing our job? They've never done it. Back to the story. Having little to no exposure to physical conflict, they have no idea how difficult it is to move an unwilling person. And having blessedly lived in the absence of physical fear, they have No real idea how a human being responds to physical danger. But that won't stop them from opining about police conduct, condemning cops because they're insufficiently grateful, I'm sorry, graceful, when exerting physical force on a defiant person. And then being self-righteously certain that dissent from their authoritative view is motivated by hate and bigotry. The arrested student at Spring Valley High School should have left her seat when her teacher demanded that she leave. Correct. When her teacher said, leave the classroom. That was the student's fault. She should have left when the administrator, who came in after the teacher couldn't get her to leave, the administrator made the same demand. Correct. That student should have left the classroom and none of this would have happened. She caused this incident, not the police officer. Back to the story. She should have left when Fields, that's the officer, made his first polite request. Ma'am, you're going to have to leave the classroom. Young lady, you're going to have to leave the classroom. She had no right to stay. She had no right to end classroom instruction with her defiance. Fields was right to move her, and he did so without hurting her. Yeah, it looked ugly. Nobody got injured. Thankfully, thankfully the, the deputy or uh, didn't get uh, wasn't injured, and thankfully the student wasn't injured. I don't want people hurt 
when officers have to use force. But you know what? If they cause that force to be used, whatever the result is, that's what the person who caused the force to be used. That's the resistor. Back to the story. The fact that the incident didn't look good on camera doesn't make his actions wrong. Unless additional evidence emerges, the Spring Valley video is going viral for all the wrong reasons, as it always does. It's just like Sandra Bland. There's some parallels here. Finally, it concludes, in other words, to use a police cliche, move along. There's truly not much to see here. David French, an attorney and staff writer for the National Review. Brilliantly written Peace. Reasonable people get it. This audience, other than the people who are listening to hopefully uh, trip me up on something, reasonable people get it. There's a couple other things I want to talk about here. First of all, um, we now know that the uh, officer Fields has been fired. It's actually a sheriff's deputy. He's been fired by his agency, the sheriff, within 24 hours. The sheriff at the time, in his first news conference, cautioned people about rushing to judgment. He said, there's a lot to investigate here. And the very next day, fired the deputy. That was a rush to judgment. That was a knee-jerk reaction. Now, look, that sheriff could do whatever he wants. I mean, you know, I, I mean that reasonably, right? I'm a sheriff, elected sheriff. We have a lot of latitude, a lot of authority, constitutionally based authority, by the way, not our own. He can fire his that deputy if he wants. But that doesn't mean that I can't offer my analysis. I do the same thing that he does. Right? I get to judge police behavior. I wouldn't have fired the guy. I would have removed him from the school. Get him out of that environment. Yeah, well, you know what? We're taking you. You're not a school resource officer at... Uh, uh, Spring Valley anymore, but, you know, we're going to investigate this. Within 24 hours, he fires the guy. I thought, you got to be kidding me. That sheriff succumbed to political pressure. That's the mob violence that I talk about, that too many people are being affected by that have to make these critical decisions. He should have closed himself off and not done any more media After his initial press conference, here's what we have. Here's who the deputy is. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to take some time. He's been put on administrative leave. That's all. Good stuff. Now give us time to investigate this. Then he should have walled himself off and and let this thing play out. Because as as I said, new tape, new video emerged. That's why everybody's caught up with these you know, body cams on police. And then they catch two or three frames of a video out of maybe, you know, a minute and a half to three minutes, and they have this part, and they say, oh, look at this. And then the sheriff said, uh, I'm basing my decision on what I saw in the video. <laughs> what? Did you talk to the deputy? Did you get his side of the story? I was disappointed by this. But again, he I, you know, I respect his decision, but it doesn't mean I can't opine on it. 
Here's another thing. Why do we need police officers in school? We've attached this nice flowery name. School resource officer. The law enforcement officer. You know why they're in schools? Because of the lawlessness in schools. Because of the unruly student behavior in schools. Because teachers are being injured. And other students are being injured. And brawls are breaking out inside these schools. That's why we have to have a law enforcement officer inside the school. The defiance of this student was profound. A teacher couldn't get her to move. An administrator couldn't get her to move. And then they outsource it. Well, call the cop. Call the resource officer. He comes in. He doesn't get to call anybody after that if she doesn't listen. He doesn't get to say like like the teacher and administrator, well, you know, um, call the resource officer. He has to do something about it. What about the other kids in that class whose learning time was stolen from them because of the behavior of this selfish, unruly student? What about that? Why won't the mainstream media, the liberal mainstream media, talk about that? What is with our youth, our black youth? What is with them? Why are they so defiant? Why are they so violent? But no, no, let's, let's wallpaper over that. That's the real problem here. I pull my officers from those schools and say, this is your responsibility, school administration. You deal with it. The next time a student won't leave a class, you deal with it. Now, if the student strikes out and hits somebody or fight, call us because we make arrests. That's what we do. We will arrest that student for a violation of the law that already occurred. We're not going to do your job anymore. That's what I would do. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. The 50 U.S. Special Forces means, okay, now they've got boots to the ground. Now they've got to admit that they check off that box. Well, they might as well show some progress, right? Show some gains. Show what they can do on the ground. That 50 is going to turn into 100. That 100 is going to turn into 500. That 500 is going to turn into who knows. But it is going to get larger than just 50. And we are going to find ourselves in the midst of something that looks more and more like a U.S. intervention. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. We're going to end the program in this final segment talking about presidential politics, the current presidency, as well as the 2016 race for the White House. But I want to begin with Barack Obama. The guy is taking us, has taken us through a, a version of Alice in Wonderland. Nothing is as it appears to be. Up is down, down is up, in is out. Day is night. This guy has an uncanny ability to be able to look into a camera and outright lie to the American people as if, and I think he believes this, we think he's telling the truth, or we don't know the history behind what he's talking about. He hasn't bad an eyelash. An eyelash. Classic narcissistic personality disorder. Okay? He's never wrong. He's the smartest guy in the room. Everything he touches turns to gold. He thinks he's King Midas. 
Like, like, like I said, when the opposite is true, everything this guy has touched has turned to crap. Literally turned to crap. How about our relations with Israel? He was handed a situation that was pretty good. He got involved and it turned to crap. How about his class warfare? Pitting women against men. The relationship. It's turned to crap. How about race? That's what I want to spend some time on, but he's pitted blacks against whites. He's pitted Hispanics against Americans. It just turns to crap. But that's part of his M.O. You know, he's an Alinskyite. Create chaos and dissension, move in, exploit it, take disparate groups, put up an unending list of grievances before them, and then patch together votes necessary to gain political power, telling these people America owes you something. No, America doesn't owe them anything. America doesn't owe me anything. America should present opportunities, and it does. And then I need to exploit those opportunities. This country is full of opportunity, full of opportunity for those willing to work hard, to persevere, and at some point make it on your own volition, self-determination, your own volition, excuse me, self-determination, self-actualization. So he sits up now, and he's being interviewed by Lester Holt, NBC News. You know, he picks and chooses who he wants to be interviewed by. When you're the president of the United States, you need to let every media, major media, because, you know, you can't talk to 20,000 Internet radio programs, right? But the major Media outlets in this country should all be able to get their beak wet by getting to sit down and do an interview with you. But he always runs to the liberal mainstream media. Now, I know he's done Bill O'Reilly. And O'Reilly has been fair, challenged him, but he's been polite. That's what you have to do when you're the, uh, talking to the President of the United States. You can't get nasty. You can't get abrasive. You can't do that. Not a dignity for the office. So I don't know what he's afraid of. You know, let Sean Hannity or Megyn Kelly or Rush Limbaugh or Mark Levin, somebody who thinks outside of his ideology because they're Americans. So he decides to talk to Lester Holt. I don't have any problem with that. Well, these are softball interviews. And, and, and Holt asks him about race relations. And the president goes on, and he's very serious. That's why I said this is, this is narcissistic personality disorder. He can do this without, I mean, it's like automatic. So he's asking about race relations in America, and he goes on to intimate that he's done a great job. And then he hopes his successor picks up where he left off. My God, I hope his successor does not pick up where he left off. I hope his successor, as soon as he takes the oath of office, 
And you know, they deliver an address after that, right? I've said this before. I hope his successor, successor delivers a Gettysburg address type speech to help the nation heal after an eight-year nightmare under Barack Obama. That's what I hope happens. So he intimates he's done a lot of good in terms of race relations. This guy has taken sandpaper, sandpaper, a coarse grind sandpaper, to that scar left on the soul of this country as a result of the institution of slavery and discrimination. Very ugly chapter in this country. But we got better as a country. We got it right. And you notice I, 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 I use the, the, the term a scar. Because the scar represents a reminder. I didn't tell anybody to forget. I'm not insisting that anybody forget about what happened when black people were enslaved. But you have to let that wound heal. And the scar just serves as a reminder. But this guy came along and took sandpaper. And he started rubbing that sandpaper across that scar to reopen the wound. And then once he got it open, he poured Tabasco sauce inside of it. That's what he does. He's an Alinskyite, right? Divide and conquer. Hold this unending list of grievances up in front of people. Get them angry, whipped into a frenzy. Chaos, division, and then exploit it for political gain by getting these disparate groups who are angry about something, some some wrong. And convince them you're going to make it right if you elect him to office. And they believe it. That's sick. It really is. But Alinsky was sick. So, uh, let's listen to this. Go ahead and play this clip. That my presidency can help to galvanize and mobilize uh, America on behalf of uh, issues of racial disparity and racial justice. Uh, But I, I do so hoping that my successor, who's not African-American, if he or she is not, uh, that they'll be just as concerned uh, as I am. So I was asked about that, and I said, you got to be kidding me. This guy's been a disaster in terms of race relations. So this is what we're dealing with, uh, with this, this, this president. He's enjoyed this. That's why I say I think it's sick. He does nothing to bring Americans together. That's what a president is supposed to do. So this week, this upcoming week, is the uh, next debate. It's in my hometown, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I will be there in person. Hope to do a couple of interviews. I'm starting to narrow this thing down. My powder's still dry, though. Keep yours dry. If you haven't gotten on a horse, if you've gotten on one, fine. But some of you have gotten on a horse early. You're going to have to get off that horse, right? Some of you that were on the Walker horse. I love Scott Walker. You had to get off that. You had to dismount. So that's why I say keep your powder dry. But I've narrowed it down to about five. I'll get into that maybe in the next program, who my five are that I'm leaning toward. 
In the meantime, enjoy your week. May God bless you. Follow me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. Thank you. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.